bitch. Ah, you know what old Jack Burton always says at a time like this? When you have to shoot, shoot, don't talk. Bitch, the Chicago. Emotep. 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 I think this bit's gone on. No. Nope. No. Yeah. <laughs> Hello, everyone, and welcome to the new episode of the We Love Dad Movies podcast. I'm your host, Jane Patterson, joined today by the ever lovely Xander Gordon. Not a mummy. No. Not a parent either. No. That's a British joke. Yeah. Yeah, that, yeah, that's... Which works because uh, Rachel Weisz is very, very, very hot British woman in these movies. But, that's, uh... I'm sure most of this podcast is going to be about thirsting over <laughs> Rachel Weisz, but yeah. Uh, hello everyone, we've been away for a good few weeks now because we went on holiday. Paddling with seals. There were, there were many seals, they were blobbing around, it was great. We saw lots of cool birds. Have you ever seen a hooded crow before? Yeah, Those guys are really wild. cool. Loads of house martins and... Yeah, lots of nice food, lots of nice times. Um, if you're ever in Scotland and the West Coast, you should go to Arran, because it's lovely go and peaceful. Go exploring, like archaeologists in the 1920s. That's exactly what we were doing. We were we were channeling our own Rick O'Connell and uh, Evie... What's Evie's last name? Evie, Evelyn something. Evie's last name is Carnahan. Carnahan, yeah. there we go. Yeah, we were channeling our own, uh, our own of those. <laughs> Maybe a bit of Uncle Jonathan's as well. Maybe. <laughs> Um, but yeah, we were lucky enough to go see both The Mummy, 1999, and The Mummy Returns in cinemas last weekend. And I originally didn't consider doing this on the podcast because, you know, it, in my head it doesn't really automatically fit into that We Love Dad movies bracket. But it totally does because I used to watch this with my dad all the time growing up. And The Mummy movies were some of the first movies that I watched as a kid that were like, oh, you're watching a, you're watching a grown-up movie now. There's There's gore. There's there's violence. There's there's scariness. Um, and I'm rewatching these because I've I've I'm willing to say that I have rewatched these movies. Oh my god, the, the the original Mummy might be one of my most rewatched movies of all time because it was just a thing that we used to watch as a family quite a bit. Um, I think this is the first time I've rewatched them in like four years or so. Three in years, 35 maybe. Millimeter, no in thirty-five millimeter as well, which we'll get into how that actually affected mm. the CGI because these movies are notorious for having not great CGI, especially the second one. <laughs> um, but it was interesting how that influenced it. But yeah, we, we caught both of them at the time, at the, the Tyneside Cinema. Um, they've got a really awesome thing ongoing at the minute. If you don't know what Tyneside Cinema is, it's a local independent cinema in Newcastle. Um, not a big chain or anything. You know, it's, a, it's an independent charity. And over the past you know few months, they've been doing a big summer uh, cinema thing. And they've been showing loads of classic movies on the big screen. Selected by the team there. Um, I went to see Big Trouble in Little China after missing out. I went to see it on the big screen last week after watching it again earlier in the month and it was the best thing ever. We also saw, saw the, the thing, the thing oh. in, a, in a big screening as well. And um, it's it's been a great, it's been a great time. It's something that I'm really glad we have because, you know... And it was a packed house when we saw The Mummy Double Bill. It was. There were some people who left for... You know, they left before the Mummy Returns started, which, you know, I mean, if you're going to commit to the bit, you've got to commit to the yeah. bit, you know? Um, but overall, you know, it was just it was just great to finally get to watch these these films, which have been a part of my life for so long now, and to actually get to watch them on the big screen with loads of people who also appreciate them. And, you know, the person who introduced it as well, I've forgotten her name, um, you know, she was talking about her own love for the movies and stuff. And yeah, it's just, it just I'm just glad that we have this space here because it is, it's a place I spend a lot of time at. And it's a great, uh, it's a great duo of movies to, to talk about because bring on the Renaissance. In case it wasn't evident, we absolutely adore Brendan Fraser in this household. Uh, so much so that we have multiple bits of merchandise from Super Yaki uh, that we've talked about before featuring Brendan Fraser. Um, a lot of good stuff. Um, he's very much an actor that was part of our childhoods uh, with the Mummy, but also things uh, like George of the Jungle is my thing. Looney Tunes, Looney back, Tunes in back in action. Looney Tunes back in action. Encino Man, Airheads. You know, 
Uh, and he's on on the up and up. He's coming back. He's doing a Scorsese project. I believe his movie with Darren Aronofsky the whale. Whale premieres in, in the Venice Film Festival in a couple weeks' time. He's very much on the up and up and uh, is someone who deserves all the love he can get after going through some really awful stuff uh, through his divorce and the death of his mother and being blacklisted from Hollywood. And he's also had lots of surgeries and some health issues. So he's finally kind of on the up and up again and he's got a full support of, um, you know, lots of fans and even like critically behind him as well. So... Um, fingers crossed his upcoming projects do well but um it's really great to revisit him in kind of his really peak, kind of era. peak era and like arguably his i'd say probably his biggest role potentially in terms of like mainstream oh yeah appeal. no rick o'connell is the biggest brendan um but he is he's so charismatic in this and we'll, we'll come on to it but his chemistry with rachel vice is honestly like unparalleled it's just they're so good together but um it's just really great to revisit him kind of in his prime doing this because he's such a great leading man yeah totally and rick o'connell is like just such a great pulp hero character um I've not actually watched any of the original Universal Mummy movies from the 30s. I've only, like, caught bits and bobs. My main, you know, exposure to, to classic horror, you know, being from Britain, is, was the Hammer Horror. So I'm very familiar with, like, the Hammer Horror-y mummy-ness from, like, the 50s and 60s. Um, and I'm, this is interesting, because, like, I'm going into this, because the mummy for me has always been, like, um, same as, like, Dracula, you know? It's always been, like, kind of, like you know, um, colourful, you know, uh, slightly, you know, made an, assembled on a budget of nothing, you know, kind of like, but, you know, it's self-serious horror. And um, so those pulpy adventure elements never really came into it for me. But with the first Mummy movie in particular, the 1999 one, that blend is perfect. You have Rick O'Connell, who is like this, you know, it's kind of like an Indiana Jonesy type figure, but, you know, he's got that scoundrelliness to him, but he's also just immaculately perfected as a you know he's, he's not got the the roughness or the creakiness of like um of like an indiana jones you know he, he's a proper pulp adventure hero and you know he, he's in the french foreign legion in the first movie and then you know kind of gets sent to well he manages to escape everything but anyway we're getting kind of like we need to get some structure here so if you haven't seen the, the, the 1999 mummy shame on you shame on you you should go <laughs> do that right now and don't let us dweeb spoil it for you because it's a wonderful time and um yeah it's it, it was made in 1999 the summer of the summer of brendan um and basically follows rick o'connell uh evelyn conahan and her brother jonathan um as well as ardeth bay and i forget the other fella he plays uh electra's dad in the 2003 <laughs> daredevil movie How specific i know i need to, i need to see this it's it's, it's um oh, is it it's not it's, is it, no it's not him it's not him i can't find it oh here it is it's eric avari uh, who plays dr terence bay but yeah basically it's set in the 1920s um and it focuses on evie who is a librarian in cairo uh, and her brother Jonathan's kind of a, a lazy, good for nothing. Bit of a, bit of a scoundrel, a yeah. bit of a, you know, yeah. playboy. And, yeah. and the movie starts out with with Rick and, and, and during his Legionnaire days, basically in Hamanaptra, you know, the, the city of the dead. City of the dead. And we've not even mentioned the the, the expositiony opening either, oh, the which opening is just is incredible. fantastic. We, we yeah. love it's so extra. Yeah. So like. Watching this on a Blu-ray on a small screen, you're going to look at that opening and go, you know, oh, it's very... Oh, it's, well, you know, it, it holds up really reasonably well, but you watch it and you're like, well, that's, that's all... That's a computer-generated compu image. Watching it on a 35mm It print, honestly makes it so much better. Because, yeah. like, the graininess of it, it makes the wider shots of Egypt look so good. Only in the first one. But <laughs> in 35mm, the opening sequence is just like, whoa, this is, like, this is... Good. It looked convincing. Yes. Like it like it looked like you, you, you go back and you're like, Wow, the Egyptians knew their stuff. Yeah, because they shot it they <laughs> shot it in Morocco and then also studios in uh London. Mm -hmm. Um but like the scenes they do of like uh ancient Egypt with where it is more CGI heavy, yeah, the thirty five millimeter like really really adds to it. But uh, yeah, the opening is just great, like the narration, the people getting the live mummification. Oh my god, it's such a good and it it goes into the horror of it all so well and you have you have everything in that opening. You have stupid sexy Imhotep, stupid sexy Anax and the Moon. You have affairs. You have the betrayal. You have the supernatural the stuff. The smearing which, of the paint oh on her my body. God, it's brilliant. But yeah, Imhotep, who is a priest. Um, I forget which for which pharaoh. But he's a priest, and he basically shacks up with the, with the pharaoh's wife. 
Uh, Pharaoh don't like that, but Pharaoh gets murdered by Imhotep and Anax and Amun. And then Anax and Amun kills herself and then is like, Imhotep, resurrect me afterwards. Mm. Because, you know, this that, is how, how it works. works yeah. um, but unfortunately, when they're doing the ceremony, the Magi are like, aha! <laughs> bamboozled again <laughs> and Imhotep and his boys his, his cult um, they all get um, they, they suffer the Hong Dai which well is... he only suffers the Hong Dai that's important but they're all mummified alive no they, they well. are mummified alive but yeah. he gets the Hong Dai which ah, is this ancient okay. curse which apparently which Evie goes into is this uh, punishment that the Egyptians were terrified to use because it means that anyone who is damned to have this punishment, uh, which is this live mummification where they get slowly eaten alive by these beetles, um, the scarabs. Will, will curse him to walk the earth should he ever yeah. be resurrected. Yeah, so the, the, everyone's getting mummified alive, but he gets the, the coup de grace punishments, which involves him, you know, being bandaged up and being put in a, a sarcophagus, and then we get the lovely flesh eating mm. uh, scarabs that kind of do him in. And it's such a great opening because you have all of that and then like the 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 narration from Odo Fair which is just he's so good in these movies as Ardeth I love him um and you know you have that great moment where it's like the the narration starts swelling and then you have the the big CGI title of the mummy cut to transfers over 3000 years later to yeah. your boy yeah uh both boys actually we Benny. have Rick and Benny oh it's my only my little buddy Benny, Benny. <laughs> um who are uh have found Hamanatra and everyone's like being shot and killed uh because everyone's fighting over the over the city of the dead because it's fabled to have untold riches Rick manages to get out of there alongside this little box key thing. Cut forward to three years later and uh, Evie, who is a librarian for this kind of British kind of like library full of like artifacts and, and, and stuff. Um, her brother pickpockets uh, Rick and gives it to her and she's like, oh, I think I know what this is. Um, her manager, I guess, <laughs> Electra's yes. dad, Terence, is like, no, like, there's no such thing as Hamanaptra. Like, don't. And it's with funny it. when you look back at this movie because when you first watch it, you probably aren't paying attention to his movements when they're showing him the map. Mm-hmm. But looking back at it, it's like it does. It does show him deliberately going to the flame. Yes, we, la- yeah. we later find out that he's also a, mag- a part of the Magi and is yes. sworn to stop people from trying to, you know, resurrect him. Yeah. Um, so she go, goes with her brother Jonathan uh, to meet Omid Jali Omid uh, uh, yeah. Uh, to go and uh, free Rick, and she's like, "Hey, we'll give you some money and like profits if you let this guy free." And um, he gives her a cheap... <laughs> 40, 30, 25. Uh-huh. <laughs> <laughs> um, you know, Rick gives her a little cheeky kiss. Uh, well, he's, he's in prison, um, but basically he gets cleaned up, and they all go setting off to go and find Hamanatra. Oh boy, but Benny's also there with a bunch of Americans oh God, also I, keen to find Hamanatra. I love Benny in this movie. Like, <laughs> I fucking love the, Benny. The, just the, the, the hilarious, you know, he's the most pathetic movie character ever, but he's so... <laughs> deliciously pathetic it's a great time and i just love how rick bullies him as soon as he comes as soon as he comes back he's like well but isn't my little old buddy buddy benny i think i'm gonna kill you and he's like no <laughs> please and then he, and they start laughing and he just go <laughs> and he throws them overboard throws them and stuff the boat. there are so many great mo- moments tell with us benny. where the book is no i think i'd prefer if you hit me again <laughs> yeah it's <laughs> so great um, Rick, and... it looks like we've got all the horses. Hey, Benny, looks like you're on the wrong side of the river. <laughs> it's so it's, good. They're just like if the entire movie was just Rick and Benny, you know, chat, talk, talking shit to each other. Because in another world, if Benny wasn't so insidious, maybe he could have been a pal. Maybe he could have been a guy. Let's let's not get it twisted. The first Mummy movie, there's a little bit of it in The Mummy Returns. The first mm. Mummy movie has a lot of sniveling Eastern, yes. Middle, uh, Middle Eastern stereotypes. Like, yeah. it, it, it's, you know, it's a bit yikes in some places. A lot of people who die are nameless brown people. Mm-hmm. Um, but Benny is such a great character and it's partly because the actor who plays him is a character actor. I forget his name. I think Kevin, Kevin J. O'Connor. Yeah, uh, he's done a lot of work with Stephen Summers and uh, Paul Thomas Anderson who's in There Will Be Blood. He is in, in Van, uh, Helsing Van Helsing as Van Helsing well as, well. Um, as the, the Van Helsing's M equivalent. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, is a really, a really great villain character. Yeah. He's, he's really fun and it's really satisfying to go to see him get his comeuppance. There isn't a single bad performance in in this movie mm. like every single actor just completely commits um you know like people like john hannah as well who i don't think we see 
nearly enough of anymore. He is so good as Jonathan in this, you know, the the kind of weaselly but like affable, you know, he 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 has talent but he's such a layabout It'd be that very he'll never easy for that character to be annoying. Yes. And he's really not in either movie. He's, he's, he's very the, compelling. There's there's an element of, there's a degree of nuance to it, mm-hmm. but you know, they're, they're all they're all pulpy characters at the end of the day, but everyone commits to it fully and you know, even, you know, the the competing party of Americans who are led by Benny um, <laughs> they're not too yeehaw. <laughs> they're 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 great. You know, everyone's really really fun uh, in 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 that. And you have the whole shootout on the boat, which is just brilliant. And like they see them all really enjoying the gunfights with the Magi fighters. Like, yeah! and, then Jonathan, <laughs> and then Jonathan's just like Americans, and then he, they save me. He's like bloody good shooting, chaps. <laughs> Did I panic? I think not. (laughs) Part of what I really love about the first Mummy movie is because it does take its time with the archaeological dig and the build-up to getting to Hamanatra. Um, You know, it really, like, it doesn't, it's not just like, here's the mummy. Um, It takes its time, you know, the competition between both parties as they're kind of trying to find stuff in the dig. You know, one of them, uh, one group finds... Uh, Emotep's corpse, whilst the other finds this pressured sand acid booby trap. Pressurized <laughs> sand acid. And they all get killed. Um, it's very much kind of a back and forth, leading up to, of course, no, you mustn't read from the book! I love that bit so much. You have you have all of this as well, you know, they're seeing the romance between Rick and Evie too, where they have oh. that great drunk scene where, where she's like, you're probably wondering what a place like me is doing in a girl like this, and oh, it's, um, so it's just brilliant. It's like, well, what are you? I'm a, a librarian. librarian. I just, oh my god, they're just so brilliant. The together. chemistry they have is so good, and that we could go on endlessly about how this movie is just the best sexual dream. It is. Um, we, haven't even, we haven't even gotten to Oded Fair being a source. I, I know, but uh, but the chemistry between. Um, Brendan and, Ra- and Rachel Vice is just unpalpable. They are so good together. It's really refreshing having kind of uh, an action series where the couples are together throughout it. There's no like arbitrary like breakup or fall. Like, yeah, they are so we, into we, each you, other. You, you mentioned this to me, and it's not it's not something that I genuinely considered. But like you're right, so many so many sequels. You know, if there is a romance in the first movie, they cast it aside in the sequel. Mm-hmm. You know. A that bit, person's not there. Yeah, the, or... the good example is National Treasure, yeah. <laughs> where they break up Nicolas Cage and um, for no reason at the Diane start of Kruger. the second Kruger, yeah, yeah, yeah. Whereas here, you know, they fully committed. They're like, well, they love each other so much, so maybe they have a kid. Maybe mm-hmm. they do this, and you know, we'll we'll go into the Mummy Returns in a wee bit. Um, but yeah, no, the, the the core pillar of what makes this movie or well, these movies so great is is Brendan and Rachel. You know, mm-hmm. they are they are so good together. And who for the life of me thought that they could do a movie without Rachel Weisz and make it work, you know? <laughs> All respect to Maria Bello. Um, it's just, it, it, it was a crazy decision to recast for, for the third movie, which, you know, was quite quite rightly not included in, <laughs> in, in, in this. A triple bill. <laughs> yeah, the triple bill of the mummy. But yeah, um, just just going into like the, the whole bit where, you know, they finally do bring back Imhotep. And the movie fully embraces the horror of it all. You know, it has a great atmosphere to it where they're kind of playing around with the curse or whatever. And then, you know, you must not read from the book and the camera just goes right down into the the depths of Hamanapshire again. You see the corpse they discovered earlier on. You know, they'd seen that the nails have been clawing into the sarcophagus. He's still juicy. They was being fed on for so long by the scarabs. Omar Jalili's been scarabbed to death oh, yes. at this point he, yeah. as well. Because of course he can't he can't not take those diamond the, the blue gold, the blue gold. beetles yeah, and they yeah. fall into his skin. Yeah. And that effect I feel still holds up. Yes. These beetles crawl into people's skin and crawl into their brain. It's it's really, yeah. really freaky. Uh, and then and then the mummy comes to life and that's you know, everything everything the, goes the to giant sh- mouth. Everything goes <laughs> to shit from that point. Um, you know, we have the Magi who try and intervene and stop everything. But, but after that, you know, it's basically all hell breaks loose. The, the locust plague mm-hmm. comes People in. People get boils. Yeah. And uh, the, the rivers turn red with blood. I it love that. I love, I, love, I love that because, like, John, again, it's, it's another example of where there's a lot of good narration in this movie. Mm-hmm. Everyone is really good at delivering exposition and narration in this. It doesn't feel like it's kind of info dumping because no. it's explaining kind of the history of 
this specific time period. Yeah. Like, it's not, like, a history lesson. We need to get to the actual first mummy kill as well, because this, this, <laughs> this moment... This poor guy! This moment traumatised me as a kid growing up. It was, it, was, it was scary. And bear in mind as well, I wasn't allowed to watch the original mummy. I had to watch the mummy returns before I was allowed to watch the original. And when I did watch the original, and poor, you know, partially sighted fella... Gets his eyes taken out and his tongue. This is a real fear now because you wear glasses. Yeah, but I'm not that poorly sighted. Well, you don't know. I could, if the mummy was coming up on me, I could go brat, brat. But but, hey, could you be a big mummy with a big mouth going humph? Yeah. Who takes your eyes and (laughs) your tongue? (laughs) We'll we'll get into that. But yeah, you know, they they kind of introduce themselves to the mummy and and, and the scene where they, they come together and you have Rick... Um, and Evelyn and, you know, Imhotep's there as well, still in, in, in not juicy form. Um, he's there and, you know, Rick just screams He screams back at him. Yeah. So just good. that, just, em- that, you know, that's emblematic of the chaotic vibe of the movie. And I think that's what makes Rick O'Connell kind of different to your Indiana Jones type is because he's very goofy. Yes. And I think that's because of Brendan Fraser's yeah, he, performance. Yeah, exactly. It's, it's great. He's a professional soldier but he's also a huge, like... He's a professional soldier. He's reverential towards the actual, you know, um, supernatural fears of Hamanatra, because he saw it firsthand when he was mm. first there. But at the same time, you know, he still just can't... He's he's, he's in complete disbelief at the situation. Yeah, he's not around a skeptic. Yeah, yeah. Uh, whereas I feel uh, Evelyn's character is more so, but that's because she's kind of based in logic. And, mm-hmm. you know, part of what I think makes this where it's not kind of info-dumpy with its exposition is because... Rachel Weisz's portrayal of Evelyn, her enthusiasm about the stuff she's talking about, like, when she gets excited talking about, like, oh, this is how they did these live mummifications and it was so cool. Like, you kind of really get into the like, like historical they, aspect of I it. And I like how they, they, they factor in her parents as well. Yeah. You know, there's, there's, there's an element of romance and, and tragedy to that. I think the implication is that, you know, both her parents have passed away and she was, you know, compelled to follow in their footsteps because i think a dad was what an archaeologist and his and her mum was an adventurer mm-hmm. um and, and you know that's kind of interesting because that's basically what <laughs> what rick and evie become yeah. and you know there's there's just that great element to it and when the plagues of egypt do start coming in and you know imhotep is picking off the americans one by one um it's to, just great to get their organs yeah yeah because so, they've yeah. desecrated the shoulders sure suck them dry yeah death will come on swift wings to whoever opens this chest yes yeah yes. um because you know his whole plan is to resurrect the nox and the moon and he identifies evie as the the sacrifice and <laughs> man saw the first woman he'd ever seen in three thousand years and went you're gonna be my wife well now. bang yeah <laughs> <laughs> and he just needs her body to transfer over <laughs> yeah and then the mummy returns does all sorts of weird stuff with that with reincarnation <laughs> and everything Benny's teamed up with Imhotep now because he's a sniffly little bitch oh, and they have that great scene where good, he's yeah. pleading for his life and he's getting and all he's these getting, religious and symbols and because he's such a snake he has every single you know religious, religious symbol, symbol. And, and he knows every every single language to beg for his life he knows it essentially um and you know he only gets out of it because you know he he, he reaches the star of david and, and starts speaking in hebrew and then and he's like Imhotep, the language of the slaves yeah so that's how he gets out of that and you know there's an element you know benny is the comic relief in this but he also does get some really good evil moments my favorite mm-hmm. bit is when they come back for poor partially sighted guy and uh, <laughs> he's like my master is very grateful for your eyes Oh. <laughs> and, and your tongue. Oh. But I'm afraid he must finish the job. Oh, no. <laughs> it's, so good. it's so mean. But it's also, you know. But yeah. hey, he gets his comeuppance, you know. You're they, gonna get yours, Benny. When he, when he goes, when they finally go back to um, have an outro where uh, Imhotep's gonna do this resurrection kind of uh, ritual to bring back uh, a maximum moon with uh, Evie. Um, he sees all this like treasure and he's like goes to get some we see him go to his camel <laughs> to load it and then you see him go hmm and mm. he's greedy and he goes back and eventually he gets trapped in there and, and eaten alive and ironically it's his wealth that he plundered that then makes they take everyone, away at the yeah end, that makes yeah. everyone else rich but yeah we ha- we also need to talk about uh, one of the unsung heroes in this movie and that's Winston for, former, oh, former guy. Royal Flying Corps officer, fighter pilot with a death wish, Winston, 
Um, Winston Havelock, at your service. And he's just great. You know, he has a very, very tiny role in this movie, but, you know, it's emblematic, again, I think, of how even those characters that are barely any screen time. Scream time? I mean, technically, but also <laughs> screen time. You know, they leave such a good impression on you. And Winston's one of those where I completely buy into his character. You know, this kind of, like... Uh, you know, this 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 <laughs> this guy who fought during the Great War, you know, one of the most destructive things. And you know, he's still got that kind of wish for heroism and, and, and going out in a blaze of glory, um, which he does get. And, you know, I felt I was compelled to salute Winston when we watched this. <laughs> we both cinema. saluted. We were like, yeah. there he goes. Yeah. And but yeah, we also, before we move on to The Mummy Returns, um, because have, we, we are factoring two movies yeah, in I here. Got, oh, God, the um, first ever for We Love Dad movies. Yeah, but... Um, Ardeth, Odad Fair's character, so cool. Wow, the, the coolest, coolest dudes in in. He's like Aragorn and Legolas rolled into one. <laughs> He's so good. <laughs> I love that bit where they're on the plane and like Jonathan's having a bad time, and then Rick checks in on Ardeth. <laughs> And How he's just grinning. That? He's holding onto the plane wing and he's having such yeah. a good time. But yeah, the other thing, you know, that final sequence, you know, the, the, all the action up until this point as well is really, yeah, really, 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 really fun. The shootouts are, you know, fierce. Um, the actual mummy confrontations are fun too. Um, but the final sequence where, they, where, where Rick, John, and Ardeth assault, you know, Hamanacha and, and, and try to interrupt Imhotep's, you know, ritual... Um, that's super compelling you know Ardeth's wielding a bloody mounted Lewis machine gun I think it's a Lewis anyway um, Jonathan's stealing Rick's guns yeah. and then throwing them <laughs> at the mummies when he's done and you know it's all just it's all just immaculately well done and like there are occasional moments where they've blended the CGI with practical effects that doesn't kind of look quite right you know the practical mummies they look great, but they also kind of have like a. I mentioned this to you after we watched mm. it. Kind of have a bit of a Power Rangers putty vibe it's to them. It's <laughs> very weird because the practical effects don't come in until the last like fifteen minutes yeah. of the movie. It's very odd. And I feel like you could have easily had a more practical mummy here. Yeah, that's the that's the that's the one downside to this. I think is that like, you know, I would have loved to have seen a version of this movie where the CGI took a backseat and, you know, Imhotep during his early stages, you could make they went full makeup. Yeah, you could Ma- make it re- much yeah. more gory. Which is weird because in The Mummy Returns, there was actually, during our double bill, um, they managed to get a, a really Guy from ILM, I've forgotten his name. Um, yeah, one of the lead supervisors for the visual effects on both movies who used to work for ILM. Uh, it was Ed Kramer, that was Ed his Kramer. name. Ed Kramer, yeah, yeah. Um, and he was talking about it and he talked about the technology they developed. Of, or I think they was brand new for The Mummy Returns about like lighting and shadowing also so, tied it back to boss nest yeah. <laughs> and the, so the mummy looks a lot better in the mummy returns but that's the only thing and he's barely... that looks better than, yeah and, and the other weird the thing about that is you know they, they don't use that model of the mummy for that long you know no, it was, it's like within the first early on, within yeah. the first 20 minutes of the movie he's back to being you know um oh, i forgot uh, arnold voslu who's great by the way yeah i i, I love that and yeah just the, the final act, the final sequence of the mummy you've got everything there you've got rick swashbuckling swooning romance you've got jonathan you know getting his hero moment Mm -hmm. with with the 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 book you've got you've got our deaths sacrifice but they're not in sacrifice because he's so great they had to bring him back (laughs) he Uh, survived a grenade blast he's all good (laughs) yeah yeah no he's just i just i I love it it's it's such a great they ride off into the sunset yeah it's a great time and they have that and i like how the mushy moment in this you know i I wouldn't really say this isn't this is in a snarky self-deprecating way but even though they have like you know the film acknowledges that the chemistry that these two actors actors have is so sickeningly good that you then have jonathan like going up to the camel going do you want to kissy wissy and stuff like that (laughs) it's just great it's just it's a very very good movie like the 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 flaws that it has you know you know there's the, the, the the effects kind of can be a bit iffy at times the choreography in the final bit could be a bit better, but it's got an incredible blend of, of action, humour, mm-hmm. uh, and, and presentation as well. It's a proper throwback adventure movie, and it's incredible how, you know, Stephen Summers, with this movie, you know, there was a whole era of, like, supernatural action movies mm-hmm. that came in the wake of them. I mean, you know, you think of your, your League of Extraordinary Gentlemen, you think of your Van Helsings, which was also another Stephen mm-hmm. Summers joint, you've got your Underworlds as well. Mm-hmm. And it's just wild to me how we had that brief period where it was like open season on, on supernatural mm-hmm. action. And, and The Mummy is far and away the best example of it. Mm-hmm. No, absolutely. And it's, you know, something that 
could not be captured by the Tom Cruise Dark Universe remake, which no. is it missed out on all the fun. Like, yeah. it's not, it takes itself well, too except seriously. that trailer that they accidentally uploaded where it was just them screaming in the plane <laughs> with no audio behind yeah, it, yeah, which was pretty great. <laughs> um, speaking of things that aren't great, in my humble opinion, uh, let's talk about the mummy returns. Yes, yeah, we'll talk about the mummy returning because, um, I <laughs> You're kinder than I am. I am kinder than you are to this movie. You know, it's because I have I have a lot of nostalgia for this movie. Because like I said earlier on, it was the first of the the series that I watched. My parents had a habit of showing me like classic franchises out of order. Because, you know, this is a trend that you'll notice. Is that while the first, first entries of movie franchises tend to be the most violent, the sequels tend to get slightly turned like, yeah, down. Yeah, and there was an to... animated TV show that came along with this I never watched that, well. you know. I only watched a couple episodes. I don't really remember much. All I remember is that the whole premise is that the kid Alex still has the bracelet on him the entire time. Uh... So I think it's kind of an alternate timeline, yeah, if you will. Yeah. Um, but yeah, it's very clear that this studio is maybe like, we want to make it more kid-friendly, make it more action-y, you know, add a kid character, which is very weird because Evie and Rick are still so horny for each other. Hey, and their, horny le- their horniness leads to peril as it well. Does. It does. Me- their horniness leads to their kid getting kidnapped. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> and then when they're sad, they smooch over it. But yeah, yeah. Well, well, I'm fine. It's, it's Brendan and Rachel. They can do what they want. But yeah, the, the Mummy Returns, you know, if, if the first Mummy is... The perfect blend of like, um, you know, classic Universal and Hammer Horror and, you know, more, you know, pulpy adventures. Um, the movie Returns just goes straight into pulp, you know, with, with, with the horror taking a backseat. Although there are some occasionally mm. good scares. I enjoy the train carriage scene. Yeah, the, um, the pygmy little skeletons. Yes. Um, but for, for by and large, you know, it trades, you know, there is a lot of mummy monsters in this, like, you know, we mentioned before, but, you know, it, it trades that for, like, cults and other, you know, human villains. And to be honest, I think when it leans fully into that, it's a great time. I enjoy The Moon Returns for being a fun, pulpy adventure. Yeah. And, you know, there are definitely big marks against it in terms of, you know, the effects itself, which they, they start off good. And then you get, to, and then by the end of it, you have, you know, you <laughs> CGI ha- the rock, yeah, um, as the scorpion and then king. The, the movie, as well, it takes some weird narrative decisions, which we'll, we'll the get sto- to. The story's ass. The, in in my, opinion. I don't hate I, it, but I definitely think it's ass. it's a weird way to take it. Um, and yeah, we'll we'll, we'll get into it. The, well, because yeah. even from the get go, this it's not like a because the, the whole basis of this plot is you know it's been i think 10 years after the first movie um rick and evie have a child now called alex who admittedly is not that annoying of a child i think think the actor does a good job i think him and him and uh john hannah actually have really good chemistry with his uncle john what a good time Um, i had an uncle john I imprinted on Alex here. I was like, my dad was like Rick O'Connell. So they're on this archaeological dig because Evie's been having dreams where she sees herself kind of in this ancient Egyptian times. Um, And so she knows exactly like what the keys are, what the combination are are to the locks and stuff. And they find this scorpion bracelet, um, which is linking back to the opening sequence, which shows Dwayne the Rock Johnson (laughs) in in one of his first major film roles as the Scorpion King. With um, the most immaculately white teeth ever. Oh, wonderful. <laughs> um, and so his character, he made a deal with... Uh, ooh, which god? The god of death? I forget which one. Um, but he, uh, Anubis. Anubis. He makes a pact with Anubis to basically not die in the desert. Um, you know, they create this oasis. Uh, he has the army of the dead that he's basically leading. Uh, and then he gets, you know, sucked into hell or whatever. Uh, and it's the year of the scorpion in the Egyptian calendar. So Evie's been having these... Uh, visions uh, about um, the bracelet and like the location of, of all this stuff. Um, the most cockney fucking man ever comes right. to kill the we O'Connell. Need to, we need to talk about this, right? So the movie opens <laughs> up in a great way. That you got you reintroducing action hero Rick. Um, I'm also getting to you know my one of my favorite things about the movie returns is how it allows Rachel Vice to actually kick some ass, and mm-hmm. I like I think that's a natural cool progression for the character because whereas you know i think rick is slightly more aware of history or whatever you know evie's much more of a gun-toting badass in this which i really like but yeah it opens up with them on a dig uh in egypt again and you have these three these three villain these three villains you have jacques who is the t- cursed and then you have um the other the, the other two uh, is it spivy and uh is it red 
feel like one of them is is, is very like Australian. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. So we've got we've got we've got Spivy, Jacques, and Red, uh, and and they all again. And this is this is carrying over the tradition of the first movie, where I feel like every single actor fully commits to the part that they are given. Which is this, this place is cursed. Everything's bloody cursed. To You're you. cursed. This, this is, is cursed. cursed. <laughs> We're all cursed. And. They're really, really funny. They, they're, they're only in it for like what ten minutes, five Is minutes. That really? Um, you know, sent to sent to take out the Econals who, uh, with with Imhotep's cult still trying to you know bring him back or whatever. And they're just they're brilliant. It's like we're gonna. I'll take care of the O'Connells. <laughs> you stay here. <laughs> brilliant. Yeah. yeah. But obviously they get out of that. Mm-hmm. You find out there's this cult being led by the. Reincarnation. Reincarnation of Anaxa Mamoun uh, and, and the curator of I've, the British Museum. I've only, I've only just realised as well that it's Alan Armstrong in yeah. brown face. Yeah, yeah. Alan Armstrong from New Tricks. Yeah. It's been a big month for Alan Armstrong. Oh, yes. I keep on talking, brought him up in Patriot Games as yes, well. But, yeah, yeah. Um, but yeah, um, so they dig up Emotep um, because it's the year of the Scorpion and they reckon that only Emotep has the power to defeat the Scorpion King and therefore inherit Anubis's army to well, take over the world. It's actually they want to get rid of the Scorpion King. Well, exactly. He so can he, defeat the Scorpion King. It's a threat to him. Yes. Yeah, yeah. Um, but they reckon Imhotep is strong enough to do it. But obviously he has his own agenda to just rule the world in general with his sexy, sexy Wi-Fi. Yeah, life. and you know, it also he also gets gazumped at the end as well when they oh, take away his tragedy. powers or whatever. But yeah, we, we, we have this whole big adventure. We, we see the O'Connells again. You know, they're... They're rolling in it, rolling in yeah, it from, they, from, from the, the last the time. Yeah, the stuff they pillaged from last time around. Evie's a respected, Evie's a respected scholar. Mm-hmm. You know, uh, they've been just begging her to run the British Museum. Yeah, they have. <laughs> uh, she has some great outfits in this. She as does. Well, She's wearing a lot, a lot of pants in this yeah. time. Yeah, um, and basically the cult find out where the O'Connells are because they have the they managed to get the uh, the bracelet of Anubis, which you know gave the Scorpion King. Uh, his powers and I'll show them the way to, to where he's buried. He's like, <laughs> it's like an Oculus Rift that Alex the kid puts it on and he's like, whoa! Like sees love, this map where so it bad, zooms into so Egypt. So badly directed in that moment as well. There's but... a lot of really weird fast-paced edits in this movie like where it's like the like the film footage is deliberately <laughs> look, sped up look, or sped look, down. It was the style of the time. It was the style of the time and it's very, it's very odd. It, it's almost weird in a way that Steven Simmons wrote and directed this stuff because it almost feels like it's done by a different team I feel yeah but I love it I just love that bit the, <laughs> and we'll get to it but the bit where they're facing off with the army of Anubis and and Ardeth <laughs> is, is like ah oh, we've won wait and he starts running and we have that great montage scene of him running but yeah you know we, we find out quite early on that they've, they've digged up um, Imhotep again um, we have uh, Ardeth who's infiltrated them and comes back to London to warn the O'Connells and immediately the movie just wastes no time at all without, you know, before going in on full pulp adventure vibes. You know, they kidnap Evie um, from the house. We have Evie doing sword fights and everything, mm-hmm. shootouts. It's wonderful. Jonathan's getting up to no good. And you know what? Despite all its flaws, I'm just glad I get to watch Odette Fair as Ardeth mowing down cultists with a Thompson. I, I will say, because these two movies kind of get blurred into my, into my head, like what happens in, in, in which. And I do like the Emotep and I'm out. Anaxima Moon. Sunamoon. And um uh Oded Fair's character, they get a lot more to do in the movie mm-hmm. returns, and I do quite like that a lot. Um I do feel like in the first movie Imhotep is just is just kind of the villain and the actor is not given too much to do and I do like that he's given a lot more in in this. Because he does have a great screen presence. He does. Well. He's really good at him. He's got that 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 sm- smarmy uh, smugness, you know, he's 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 properly evil in this, and I, I forget who plays um, Anax and the Moon. It's uh, no, Patricia Velaquez. Yeah. She's she's really good in this as well. And, and considering you know, in the first movie, she has she had what like a couple of speaking parts, and in this, she's bumped up massively. Yeah, because I I get the movies confused because I fully thought that she is resurrected and fights Evie at the end of the first movie, but it isn't in fact in the yes. movie Returns which she does that, which links into the very weird resurrection yeah, subplot. I I don't I hate it. I I, I genuinely hate it. I, don't, I think it's so weird. I don't know why they did this. And I don't know part of it feels like 
they're trying really hard to justify Evie's badassery, mm-hmm. which all you could do for that is just be like, she's hanging out with Rick O'Connell. And she was taught how to fire a gun, yeah. yeah. And it, I know it's, it's weird to talk about in the sense that, you know, the first movie is like, you know, this <laughs> curse to bring back this mummy that will take over the world. But in in this, they have it where that Evie is the... Reincarnated the reincarnation daughter of the pharaoh that the Imhotep and Anaxenamun killed. Yes, um, and this other person is also the reincarnation of Anaxenamun, and therefore Evie has had visions of making sure the Scorpion King doesn't come back. Because she, because she... her character was was Nefertiri, she was the one who was guarding the Scorpion yes. King's bracelet, and she the, the reason why she's good at fighting now is because she's getting the memories back of when she was Nefertiti. It's very strange. It's really odd. (laughs) It's it's so weird. It's not even like it's a random subplot that comes in midway through. The very first, like the opening of the movie is Egypt. Oh, we're reincarnated now. Having (laughs) having visions of being back in Egypt. It's very strange. Because the first movie, like, you know, like the whole thing is that like Imhotep sees Evie and is like an ox to the moon uh, and is but fully using her like, as, oh, a, as a woman. <laughs> yeah, yeah, and he just wants to sacrifice her. Whereas with this, it fully commits to the reincarnation angle. And, and it's, you know, it also has the stuff with um, with, with Rick being. He has a, a tattoo. You know, the whole. The that's whole, from the Magi. Yeah, yeah, the whole the whole fate <laughs> and thing. He's and like, like, oh, I just got this tattoo when I was in an orphanage. Mm-hmm. And Odin Fair's like, no, it is the mark of the Magi. You have been destined to protect each other. Yeah. It's like, no. no so, like. It's very weird. And, and again, yeah, the, the whole prophecy thing doesn't work for me. But you know what does work for me? Uh. The cool flying shit. <laughs> <laughs> a lot of good flying guys in the in these movies. Yes, and um, Sean Parks is Izzy Easy. Buttons. He's a great guy. And he's time. all like, you know, last time I helped you, shot in the ass. <laughs> oh, I love Izzy. Izzy's great. Uh, and, you know, he has some great back and forth with Jonathan as well. And, like, again, for as much as I do think the movie returns, you know, it is a bit stinky at times. But I just think it's really fun. And, like, I... Yeah, that might be my my guilty pleasure because it's it's so it, it's so um, you know it, everyone gets the heroic moment, everyone gets the moment in the spotlight, whatever. But that kind of works for me. Like you get to have all the stuff with the Magi and like Horace the Hawk. Yes, we and, get him. His you know time. all of that. R.I.P. And, a real one. And I do like the idea of 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 Rick and Evie having to you know hunt down a cult and and get there and get their son back or whatever. Um, and like the finale even though it is completely punctuated by the terrible CGI mass of, of the rock as, as the Scorpion <laughs> King, which 35mm did not redeem in any way no, whatsoever. It did not, 35mm um, did not help the mummy return. I enjoy that final confrontation. You have the bit where, you know, Evie gets stabbed and it's really, it's really sad. Like, like Brendan Fraser. He sells it, yeah. He really sells it and... From that moment on, he goes from being laughy, jokey, you know, diffuse attention, you know, with 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 humor and angst, Rick O'Connell, to just being like, "Ha, your ha- your hand's been melted off." And another the... scene which did traumatize me as a child: that guy getting his hand yes. eaten and just having like the fleshy, bony hand like yeah. stick out of him at the end. Juicy, oh, yeah, it was juicy. Not... And he just looks at him and goes. <laughs> <laughs> so I'm like, so oh, and you know, he goes to fight Imhotep, and again, like, we have that that whole moment where the Scorpion King does emerge, and rather than fighting man to man because Imhotep's lost his powers, you know, he talks a big game, being like, I don't need my powers to fight the Scorpion King. <laughs> I'm Imhotep, and then he gets in, and he's he starts begging and groveling yeah, and be like, oh, for his Mr. Life. Mr. Scorpion King, is that, that that man over there? You know, he he was he, trying to kill you. He was trying to kill you. I'm your loyal friend and servant and blah, blah, And then you have the weird contrivance of this weird golden stick that Jonathan's been carrying on the whole <laughs> movie is actually the spear. From Hamanatra, by the way. Yeah, which is the spear which Rick, as a, as a Magi in a former life, is destined to use to turn into a spear to then kill, kill the Scorpion, Scorpion King, King. Which leads to my favorite yeah we need favorite to favorite moment this this in both of these movies it's um yeah so after um you know jonathan has the great thing where they're trying to get the stick out you know evie's dueling an axe on the moon at this point as well it's a really cool scene you know even ignoring the 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 whole <laughs> the whole reincarnation plot line you know re- oh because evie's been brought back to life by this point as yeah because well. <laughs> they, they resurrected her or whatever uh, and then you know he gets the spear and you have that great moment where Rick's like, it falls out into a spear. <laughs> <laughs> the 
it doesn't. <laughs> yes, it does. <laughs> and you know, he gets the spear. You know, he. Uh, <laughs> the girl. You've got to really, you've got to really sell it here. Oh, so well, Jonathan. No, we also missed the bit where Jonathan throws it, and Imhotep grabs it, <laughs> <laughs> and he's like, "Ha ha!" And then he goes to kill the scorpion, and then Rick grabs Rick it grabs again. It yeah. So Rick, <laughs> Rick stabs Scorpion King, stabs the Rock. Mm-hmm. Whilst he's leaning over this pit into hell, and, I and guess into a, into the Rob Zombie music yeah. video, stabs him a good pause of about three seconds out of frame, and the frame. So the frame at this moment is just it's they're, it's they're Rick kind of on the right. It's yeah. it's Rick, the Scorpion King. Rick's dangling off in like kind of the lower, the middle third of the frame in, into hell. Yes, and then. A good of, pause. And then the, the camera doesn't change. There's no there's no change in <laughs> shot here, right? <laughs> out of frame. Arnold Vosloo comes out and goes, No! <laughs> no, he dramatically gets onto one knee yes. and goes, No! <laughs> and you can tell he's gesturing at nothing because the CGI rock isn't there. But it's, it's the fact that there's, so no, there's no change in shot, so he just comes <laughs> into frame so awkwardly. And it is so funny. I can't. When we go to the movies and you find a thing that really makes you laugh, you, it's like you're oh. like you turn into De Niro from Cape Fear. You're I, just like got the cigar out laughing was, and the, like both. Mo- no, you know I'm being a bit harsh on Mummy Returns. Like it, but both movies have like some little light chuckles. Can it, you believe they time. gave it two stars? I, I can't either. Two stars. Ridiculous. I, I think the story's that bad, um, and uh, I think a lot of the the side characters are just kind of there and then leave, whatever. Um, and I think it, the movie is very much at odds with itself, but it did give me the hardest laugh because it caught me off guard because I fully forgot about it. Just <laughs> out Emotep comes from frame onto one knee to dramatically yell no. It ruined me. I laughed so hard. It, even thinking about it, it's just so funny. <laughs> I'm going to have to like save that as a reaction image for when so things go badly good. wrong. So good. And you know what's the same energy of? It's that cat at the dinner table. Mm, yeah, very. And Imhotep's on the other side, crying, Yelling, at, yeah. crying at Brendan Fraser cat for for eating the salad. Yeah, for, for eating eating the scorpion salad. Yeah, yeah. It, it's so funny. Um, yeah, I, I I am being harsh on the Mummy Returns, and it maybe is. It's also because we watched them back to back. But when I checked the last time I rated it on Letterbox, I also gave it two stars. Then um, I just feel like the Mummy Returns, like it's it doesn't have kind of the anticipation or the build up of the first one. I think it's a movie at odds with itself. I feel like it's trying to really push the romance and kind of the horniness of Evie and Rick, which is great because, again, they have amazing chemistry still, but it almost feels weirdly at odds with the fact they have a child. Um, it feels like they kind of ignore him for a lot of well, the, the whole. The, I mean, I think well. that's the weird part is that they they are neglectful <laughs> yeah it's way. so it's very odd and it's and the fact that like the movie came out only two years after the first but there's a time gap of 10 years so obviously they still look the same but they have this eight-year-old son um it just feels it feels very much like constructed by a studio which again is why i think it's a it kind of surprised me that steven simmons also directed and wrote this one because it feels like it's done by a different team especially with the changes in some of the editing styles as well um, you have a lot of like characters who just kind of show up and then just die very quickly. There are some silly moments, like when the three the three hitmen, where <laughs> the inca- reincarnation of Anaxima Moon is like, oh, we'll pay you double. Just go into the back of this cart, and they're like, all wait, right. all right, then I guess I'll go into the back of this cart, and nothing suspicious will happen to me here. And of course, they get fucking sucked by Emotep. <laughs> they um, get sucked <laughs> by Emotep. Where they're, where they're like, oh, he wants you to open the box. Like, oh yeah, of course he wants you to open the box. Look, they have very big, uh, like Looney Tunes kind of like energy those guys like Looney Tunes gangsters where you've got like yeah yeah sure sure and then you've got gee boss I don't know yeah, I feel like it, it, I feel like maybe I feel like if they maybe changed it so the cult maybe had more to do with the Scorpion King so it's just kind of a cult you know what it is like I think they should have like not to deny I think the mummy would have to return in the mummy returns and I think mm-hmm. the idea of introducing another supernatural presence mm-hmm. is also pretty cool. You know, that, that competing threat of something mm-hmm. being scarier than mm-hmm. the mummy. Because if you go back and watch, you know, for me with the old Hammer movies, you know, it's just the mummy over and over again. Mm-hmm. You know, there are there are occasional variations, but it is just the mummy each time. Escalating the threat this way is cool and making it a warrior as opposed to a mystical priest is also great. But 
you know, the Scorpion King is barely in it, and when he does show up, he's not a threat. He's just kind of boring. He's so bare bones they had to make prequel movies to yeah, establish yeah. his character. And um, you know, I do think that this would have been maybe more exciting. And this is maybe you know my own personal preferences for pulp stories here. You know, with with my love for Hellboy and that and and everything and Lobster Johnston and stuff. I think it would have been more interesting if you did have it be like a cult dedicated to the worst with Imhotep has shown up after seeing the miraculous plagues that we got in the first movie and they're trying to to resurrect Imhotep and it's a battle against time to stop that from happening. Or even if, um, you know, I've only seen Tomb of the Dragon Emperor once when it came out, but even the idea of looking at different mummies from different cultures, like, Mm. you know, like China, like Peru, would maybe be something a a bit interesting, but... So there are, I do appreciate that some that some of the actors do get more to do in the Mummy Returns, but I, I just think the the plot and some of the way it's executed is just is just not as fun and just a way more boring than the than the first for for me. Yeah, that's fair. I I think it's a fun time. You know, it, it's one of those where I can watch and almost get a Star Wars prequely vibe out of at times. You know, because and again, it is is the early two thousands ILM kind of you know on the the forefront of digital effects technology where you know. It, some things don't look quite right and other things do but you know it's still brendan it's still rachel it's still the it's still everyone else and you know for that i can i can very much you know appreciate it as a deeply flawed but entertaining pulp film nonetheless um you know the first one is very much better uh and you know i i love them i just i think the mummy's neat i think i just think they're neat (laughs) that's that's my take on on the two mummy movies um (laughs) that was the mummy guys and the mummy returns um thank you so much for listening because this has been the lengthiest wheel of dad movies episode yet Uh, you you can trim it down no i'm gonna it's all it's all staying in (laughs) um yeah this was the this was this was it and i love these movies and you know reiterate what we said about brendan fraser at the start so very glad to see him working again because what a guy you know what, what an amazing talented bloke and you know it's just great to see him succeed and it's nice that I, I, I think sometimes when you have lovings for actors online, it can come off as being quite patronizing. Mm-hmm. But I think in his case, you know, it's fully he's, sincere he's a very and, humble and wanting person, to see yes. wanting to see him succeed. So, uh, Brendan, thank you for these wonderful movies. <laughs> um, and yeah, uh, thank I, 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 the mummy was such a big part of my childhood, and it's just great to talk about these again. But yeah, um, thank you as well to our three patrons Thomas Mulgrew Shaka and Josh Brown very much for the pledges uh, you can go and support the We Love Dad Movies podcast on Patreon at patreon.com forward slash we love dad movies there are three separate tiers with all sorts of goodies involving film essays poll power and more uh, and special shout outs like that so if you want to hear your, your name said aloud by me in the podcast <laughs> What privilege. You can go do that. And you can follow the We Love Dad Movies podcast on Twitter as well, at We Love Dad Movies. You can follow me on Twitter at We Love Dad Movies. Where can you follow you? You repeated We Love Dad Movies twice. Oh, yeah. I am We Love Dad Movies. (laughs) You can follow me on Twitter at You and Ruins Things. (laughs) There we go. You can find me in a sarcophagus buried deep, deep underground um, in the continent of Africa. Hmm. Yeah. Okay. Come find me. I'm not going to sleep well tonight. Yeah. <laughs> uh, next week, I think it might be In the Line of Fire, uh, which I'm going to do with Dan again. Um, great movie. Clint Eastwood, John Malkovich. Maybe rewatch it before we do it. But yeah, uh, we will see you next time. Bye. Emotep. Emotep. Emotep.